It's the Early Access Podcast, episode 23, February 18th, 2020. I'm your host, DJ Nikki here. Kuehler is producing the show. You can find us on Spotify. We don't have a Spotify premium link, so I think you just need to go up and search Early Access Podcast and check us out on Discord, discord.gg slash Tuesdays, 8 p.m. PST, where you can join us for the pre-show. We talk about lots of things. I've already kind of blown my load on my VR porn story, but I'm going to do it again. I... Last week, before last week's show, actually, I was going through the virtual reality subreddit and I saw someone post a VR porn game called Captain Hardcore. And I actually bought and downloaded this game. And like, I started doing VR 2017, something like that. And I have honestly, uh, I'm being completely honest here, never actually played a VR porn game. So I picked this one up. It's a physics-based game. It takes place in space. All of the women, which they will be adding men to the game uh, a little bit in the future, I got from the developer. But all the women in the game are called VR space sluts, or just space sluts for short. And uh, it's an open kind of sandbox game. You can spawn people in, uh, use a bunch of different toys and, and all that fun stuff. And I wanted to try this game out uh, because it looked honestly way better and way less. Uh, I'm, I'm not into like 360 video that much. That really doesn't appeal to me at all. I'd rather just sit and watch something on YouTube. Or I don't even like watching like Netflix and my Oculus Quest, which is something that you can do. So not really in a 360 video. I don't really like... Um, I've gone to E3, and one year E3, Naughty America, I believe, had a booth. And they were one of those booths in the back that had pretty much just small one-setup booths. And I was actually with Turtle Rock Studios at the time, and some of my friends from TRS tried... Um, the VR porn came back there. It was really funny. One of them said, um, you had to choose whether you want the perspective of a man or a woman. And so this, uh, woman that I knew got to try the game and they asked, they asked her, all right. She misinterpreted the question. They said, who do you want to be? And she said, oh, men. But she, she was actually interpreted the question as who are you interested in she's interested in men but they actually asked her who do you want to be a man so as a woman she had to watch this video from the perspective of a man which she stuck through it but it was very confusing for her i love that story but just watching those demos and just being in the vr industry in general i i didn't really not super interested in that industry right now but i really like boneworks and Captain Hardcore, which is the name of this game, you can support them on Patreon. They're not paying me anything. I just I played their game for 15 minutes and had a lot of fun in it, but not in a way that you would expect. I played it, um, downloaded it for played it for about 15 minutes, and they have lots of different toys. I found very quickly that using the double-ended dildo, you can connect multiple women together. And because this is a game in space, I turned the gravity off, spawned in what was a hundred women, probably not that many, dozens, and connected them all back, not back to back. They were variations of facing away and towards each other. Um, and then I turned the gravity on and dropped them. And that's when I realized I need to get a new computer because I think my computer made a really funny sound trying to process all that information, all the physics of a hundred prostitutes coming down from the sky at the same time. Uh, but I did that. And they also spawn a variety of toys. My favorite of which was the paddle. And I have never hit someone in space. 
But what I tried to do is I turned the gravity on and I took this paddle and I smacked this woman in the back of the head so hard. I was trying to get her to spin as many times in the air as possible, which is a lot harder than you would think. If you like swung directly down, she would barrel into the floor. So you kind of had to go in at an angle. And uh, the the off-putting thing, one of the things that really made the game not work for me is, in my opinion, the character customization was a little bit uh, left some left some to be desired. You have you can change hair and hair color and skin tone and stuff like that. Killer, hold on one second. Can you uh, can you stall for a second? I mute my damn phone. <coughs> ah yes. Remember to turn off your ringtones when you're going into production. Unlike what Nikki here is doing. Someone keeps texting me. I don't know about what, and it's not even important. Well, returning back, returning back to the Early Access podcast, in case you missed it, Nikki is a complete psychopath who wants to chain women together I, in no, virtual reality. I wasn't reality. chaining them together. I was connecting them via double-ended dildo. Right, that but makes it a lot better, of course. I don't remember what the fetish is called, um, where you make a woman super big. Like, you can make her, like, 30 feet tall. But I also tried to smack that bitch as hard as I could with a paddle, uh, just to try to get some distance. The, the thing that was really off-putting about the game is no matter what you did to these women, they moaned very seductively. Um, so there was one woman that I, like, spawned way too high up in the air. So I, like, grabbed her ankle and tried to pull her down so I could, you know, chain her to the rest of the prostitutes I had spawned. And she was moaning the whole time as I was dragging her through the air. That, that was a little off-putting. Um, also, the whole, like, trying to smack them as far as I can with the paddle. They would moan for that too. Uh, not not a very big fan of that. Uh, but other than that, other than the character customization, it was a really cool like physics-based game. They are adding men in the future. I don't remember if I if I had specified that, but the developer did acknowledge the fact that there are no uh, men in the game yet. There's a bunch of other cool things in the game, like you can have them walk around and put them in various fun positions. Oh, another thing I tried to do is there's a scene with a fireplace. This isn't in space because I don't think fire can exist in space. But there's a fireplace. Um, they don't catch on fire. I tried to set this woman's hair on fire. So that didn't work. Uh, big complaint <laughs> in my department. <laughs> Excuse me? Hey, it's kind of like playing Grand Theft Auto. You know, you're just a terrible person in Grand Theft Auto. You're running over pedestrians. You're barreling cars through restaurants. You're gunning people down in the streets. You're not using your hands, though. There's that other game where, like, that's like a murder simulator. That it's literally a murder simulator? It's like a sword fight. It's like a sword fighting kind of game. But the physics are just, like, insanely gruesome. Oh, it's also Blade in Sorcery. VR. Yes, yes. Blade yeah, that Sorcery, one. Like, like, I love those that, kinds that of games. One, that one and now this one. Like, make me worried about, like, what kind of psychopaths are we going to enable? Not spawn. Like, I'm not saying it causes this, but what kind of them are we going to, like ignite something in them that was dormant until they got to see this happen. I don't agree with the whole video like games Nikki. cause violence thing. You know, <clears throat> yeah, people I didn't say cause violence, but igniting yeah. is something that was there that might you might not have noticed because you don't normally get the opportunity to completely torture and maim people with your bare hands. When, when people try to go against video games and they're like, oh, video, video games cause violence are bad for your children. They reference Fortnite, the most cartoony, like <laughs> no blood, safe for work video game ever not sexy at all like it's, it's just fortnite it's 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 a game that is stylized for children right i'm not saying it's played by children but uh, exclusively but it's stylized <laughs> for children right 
You guys, when you guys want to fight against video games, the video games cause people to be violent, you need to reference the time in Blade and Sorcery where I knocked a guy unconscious, put his neck up against the edge of a bridge, and tried to decapitate him so that his head would fall into the river underneath. And I could use the rest of his body as a shield against his teammates. <laughs> That's the kind of shit you need to be worried about. Not, That's not pretty some mild. Kid no, that's even mild too from what I've done Not people who understand like the physics of that game they do crazy things yeah oh yeah there, there's like slow motion right I've there's been times in Blade and Sorcery for those of you who don't know this is a melee uh, sword fighting game with physics and magic and it, it's very it's very sandboxy uh, and, and true to actual physics right well maybe Anyway, you can activate slow motion. I know not true to actual physics, but there have been times where I've like swept people's feet out from under them. And then as they're falling through, uh, falling through the air, taken my sword, chopped their head off, right? And then impaled that same head on another dagger, then took that dagger, removed that person's skull and threw it at someone else, pinning them to the wall, right? Like. You can do some crazy shit in VR. And that's why I love like Boneworks and Blade and Sorcery and Captain Hardcore. These like physics-based VR games, it they allow you to do unbelievably unethical things that that would absolutely get me arrested in real life. Um and probably on the no fly list. And so that was my that was my first VR porn game experience. Was I tried to connect as many women together as possible via double-ended dildos. And I I basically played space golf with them using a using a spiked paddle and so it was a fun 15 minutes um it didn't really didn't really um connect with me in the way that porn you think porn would do a heterosexual man um afterwards i just put it down and went to go get i think i went, actually went to get lunch afterwards um so it's not it's not a great game for that kind of thing i mean the women did look okay um and they looked customizable. As, their custom, the customize, the customizability was there, but it wasn't as deep as I would have liked it to. Um, but they didn't look, they didn't look fake or, or cartoony. I mean, they did look, they did look fake, but not, not dumb, um, not not stupidly fake. Uh, they were they were semi realistic. I would say it's it's gone farther than it has gone in the past, but it's still not realistic enough to the point where I feel like I would enjoy that over doing anything else. Uh, and, and so that's, that's my stance right now is my first, first time I've ever tried something like that. And, um, I'll give it a, I'll give it another go. I think I'm going to see how many people, how many more people I can chain together than when they add men to the game. <laughs> and speaking of which, uh, all right, we're, I want to tackle another VR uh, thing before we're going to talk about the dude on a plane, everyone's seen that video who's punching the back of that woman's chair, who's an actual psychopath compared to me, in my opinion. We're talking about another VR thing real quick. Cradle of Sins is a VR game that absolutely none of you have heard of. And if any of you have heard of it, then you're probably like the one of six people who played in this competition. Here's the thing. If you have money, right, you can't you can't just throw money at something to make it successful. I mean, maybe at a certain point you can if you have billions of dollars, right? But the Cradle of Sins developers had $10,000, and they decided to put that into a, a competition to play their game. You play their game, and I think the top 40 got some cut of $5,000. I think if you were literally 40th place, you got like $50. And if you were first place, I think you got maybe, I'm going to throw out a number, four digits for sure. And 
they could not get enough people to play by their deadline, which I think was December. So they extended the deadline out till January, February or something like that. And then they barely got 40 people to play. If you were looking at ranks 30 through 40, the scores were so much lower than the first place through fifth place, which were worth a significantly larger portion of money. This is a VR MOBA game. Um, I've had my friend Leo play it, and he said the game was absolutely terrible. Um, it really just looks like they just bought a bunch of assets off the store, and the developers don't seem to have any sort of actual esports experience because what I was told from the tournament, so they took the top, I think it was six players, and they had to play 3v3 at a tournament against each other to win the remaining $5,000. Well, the Cradle of Sin developers decided to release a patch the day before this competition. And of course, if you are practicing for anything, ideally you'd want to practice on the on the patch or with the equipment that you're going to use. If you were a boxer and you had to fight with, I'm going to sound really ignorant because I don't know a lot about boxing, but if you're going to fight with six pound gloves, right? And then the day of the competition, you had to use 11 pound gloves. Kind of stupid. You want to be practicing with 11 pound gloves the entire time. Uh, similarly, if you were going to play in a competition, whether it be for cards or esports or whatever, you don't want to be playing on the same patch that the game came out. For fighting games especially, and for MOBAs especially, because they, they could be balancing things um, that you might not be aware of. So they push out a balancing patch that absolutely broke the game. I heard that players were turning invisible randomly throughout the matches, um, which was really bad. And they put out a live stream, which at the time of broadcast, the live stream only had... 300 views. I went to uh, look at it again before the, the Real Access podcast, and it's up to almost 8,000 views with almost 200 likes and zero dislikes and three comments. I don't know if they're viewbotting that to make it look good to the people who gave them that money. I'm not going to accuse them of anything like that, um, but it it does look real fishy. Uh, and so, Keeler, Keeler, you got to watch, you got to watch and, and see what does the game look like, dude? Can you describe to me? Unbiased, because you're an unbiased source. What does that game look right. like? They had ten thousand dollars to throw in an esports competition. What, what did it look like graphically to you? I, I mentioned graphically, so like I, I clearly wasn't meant to be like a high graphical game. That's very obvious. It's more cartoony, but so are a lot of them, right? Like you know, you were into Battleborn, and that was kind of your thing. I did yeah. make the comparison of like to Mario sixty four because the polygons were just so angular, kind of everywhere. To some level, again, I'm saying that was kind of the intention, and I referenced uh, Lovely Planet, which is like a platformer that also looks very blocky but kind of intentional. Wii U. Yeah, it wasn't really. I played on PC. I didn't yeah, know. Yeah. <clears throat> um, but largely, it just felt very uh, like simplistically made for the most part, and and I. I think it's less so like the actual graphical quality, but more just like the design itself. Unlike Lovely Planet, which has like this really nice um, palette that's all like pastel colors. This was very standard kind of colors like you'd find in most places and things just kind of pop up. Nothing looked too awful, but it also didn't look too eye-catching. Nothing seemed too original or like standout to really say, here's what makes it different from other robots besides just the fact that it's in VR, which I'd like to see some more Besides just putting things in VR. That's a big problem with VR, is you can't just put a thing in VR. I feel like yeah, for it to be successful, it has to be, some, it has to be a thing so that, that you can only do in VR, right? Look at Beat Saber. Beat Saber was made for VR, right? You're chopping blocks. I know other things exist like DDR, Dance Rush, Osu, other rhythm games, but 
Beat Saber is really the only kind of game where you can get that movement with the rhythm in VR. Like, it's not a game I feel like I could play with WASD and it would be the same, right? I, I feel right. like I couldn't play it with a keyboard and mouse and I would get the same experience and the same flow and really get into the game the same way I could in a VR headset. Cradle of Sins does not look like one of those games. Cradle of Sins literally looks like I could play it with a mouse and keyboard and get a same, if not better, experience because I don't have to worry about my real life stamina. I could probably be more accurate clicking around. Um, I haven't personally. Oh, it's actually a common thing. So they have like a, a spectator. They have a spectator mode that basically makes it look like a normal MOBA. So instead of just having like a free camera, they have specifically an overhead camera that makes it look like the things they're all probably familiar with. But then I guess I, I didn't think of that too, that as a result, it kind of makes you realize, oh, this does look like things that already exist. And I haven't played it, so I can't really confirm on what it's like to be playing it on the ground, but it. You know, it's the same problem I had before. Besides being in VR, I haven't seen much that isn't offered by other mobile-ish games that might already be first-person, you know? And so my big problem with this is um, uh, VR companies need to stop doing this, right? Th this is this is not a good use of your $10,000 of marketing money. If I go to their Twitter right now, they have 56 Twitter followers. That VOD that they, uh, that they did for the finals... That has 8,000 views, and you spent $10,000 and man hours planning and sorting the tournament together. Spent $10,000 on marketing, and your return on investment was 56 followers on Twitter and less than 10,000 views. That's, that's less than a dollar per view, and buying a view for a dollar isn't even that good of an idea. In fact, I doubt the user retention was even two hours. That's a two-hour live stream. You know, they got professional casters. They probably had to pay those people as well on a professional set. And I, I just hate it when VR esports is being represented by by games that look this bad. You know, I don't think there actually is a good VR esport out there. Maybe I can make an exception for Beat Saber um, because those guys play at such an unbelievably high level that the Beat Saber is, is its own kind of thing. But other than that, I, I truly don't think that anything out there exists as a T1 Esport, like you would look at Rocket League or Smash or CS:GO, right? There, there, there needs to be right the spectators, the players, the prize pools, the passion for the game. Let's take Smash for an example. Smash has nearly zero support from Nintendo. In fact, Hungrybox actually, a big recent Smash tournament, called that Nintendo and said, "Hey, Nintendo, you are actually one of the only ones not putting money into the Smash esports scene. Please just give it a little bit of attention, give it a little bit of love." like Capcom does for their fighting games. And so we have like Smash as like this grassroots community run esports competition, right? Getting no support from the publisher, but everyone loves watching it, right? We've we had Genesis, multiple big major Smash tournaments. Genesis is the local one in my area. Lots of Smash players, right? This is a grassroots esport moved by players who care and are passionate about the game. And that's great. I love Smash. But when you look at VR, it's usually the exact opposite, right? We have Cradle of Sins where the developers are just throwing money. This is an eSport, play it. We didn't push out a balancing patch for you to play on. It comes out last minute and breaks the game, right? Look at Space Junkies. Space Junkies poured so much money into the, um, the VR eSports league, right? The game stopped development. You can't, you can't be going eSports first, right? Unless, of course, you got to have someone on the team who knows eSports because this isn't just something that... You, old boomers can throw money at and and get some good marketing out of, right? Well, yeah, Space Junkies, and that game lasted 
not even a year, they put it on uh, VR League Season 2, and then the developers announced that they were canceling the game. Uh, they never quite got the spectator mode to look that good. And uh, there's pretty much... Actually, I'm going to go on VR LFG right now and see how many people... There's there's no one playing it, right? There's, I mean, they did stop development, so that's probably a little bit unfair. But I've already opened the website and said I was going to do it. On Steam, and it is cross-platform, so I don't want to cut out PSVR. Uh, on Steam, there are... Wow, zero people playing Space Junkies right now. The peak 24 hours was three people, right? You can't, you can't do this without a passionate community who cares about your game, and they're going to care about your game because your game is good, right? Uh, and so we've had Space Junkies, we've had Cradle of Sins, we had these developers just trying to funnel money into into games that aren't going to come out as as anything, uh, really. We've had the same thing with, I talked about on an earlier episode of the Early Access Podcast, Archangel. Uh, Archangel was made by the same company that made the Walking Dead VR esports. Uh, or not VR esports. They made the Walking Dead VR game that came out. Um, there's another one being made by Servios, but they made the Walking Dead VR game that is already out. And Archangel also, I know they poured money into flying my friends out to go play that game and to get a whole tournament circuit running for it. And if the players aren't, you can say the players are passionate, but are they really? Uh, will they really come out in force to participate in these tournaments and play these games and continue to play these games when a prize pool is not up for grabs? I know tons of people who play Smash at a lower level or even play Smash for small prize pools of $100, $200. They're playing their locals, right? If, if they're not going out for their tournaments out of their way when $10,000 isn't on the line, then maybe this isn't the way you want to market your game. And not every game needs to be an eSport. Not every game has to be super competitive, multiplayer, about, right? Some games can just be for fun, right? Some games can be casual, um, like, oh, play back and forth games. And so, yeah, I, I'm really tired of the VR esports industry um, and just projecting money at games that, I'm going to be quite frank, are trash. They're, they're not games that a large amount of people want to play. They're not games that are going to maintain a player base. They're not games that people are going to be passionate about, want to tell their friends and get get their friends into because they're just bad games and it makes the rest of us look bad because I think there are good VR esports games out there but the games that developers are throwing money at aren't always those games I think there's that there's that serious mismatch anyway all right uh Keeler, can you can you break down the the guy on the plane story real quick so I can take a sip of water all right so we are talking about this uh clip that went let me read the tweet that this describes the thing. So, this video has the internet highly divided, according to uh, Marina Maraco from uh, what station does she have? Fox Five. Yeah, uh, she posted this on Twitter. DC. Yeah, but, she, but this video is really coming from Twitter. Uh, so this dude is the last seat on the plane. He's at the very back of the plane, and his so his seat does not recline backwards. Uh, the woman in front of him does. And so she reclines, and she reclines reasonably far back, and so he's upset and is basically kind of punching her seat uh, incessantly, as the tweet says. Uh, and, and I mean, it's not like he's like putting his full fist into it, he's just kind of like fist bumping it regularly and making the chair kind of bounce. And so she records, and she's clearly still reclining in the chair, and is just kind of recording him doing so. And he looks annoyed, effectively, the entire time, and that, that's, the, that's the video we're discussing right now. Yeah, and so we, we're not an audio-only podcast on Spotify. Uh, I'm sure many of you have seen this video by now. The woman is reclining in her chair. Dude in the back, I, I took a little bit of a survey 
people in chat before the show, and by people, I mean the one person who told me what they think, thinks the yes. dude's around, I think he's around 37. Kuehler's totally right. He looks like Michael from Vsauce, but he looks like an older version. Uh, dude's balding. Only Definitely slightly looks older, like he's too. His, yeah. He's in his mid to late 30s, is what I'm going to yeah. put him down. That's what we're guessing. That's our guess here. And so, do you want to go? Do you want to go first on your opinion, Kuehler, or do you want to hear mine? Uh, I, I guess I'll just go first, since you said you have a different take on it too, so you can right, segue yeah. to that. Um, so my general thing, so I don't like it when people recline on the seat. Let me get this one over with. Like, and I, I do recline. I, I've seen some people commenting that like the etiquette is to never recline your seat. I do a little bit, like, but it's a very little. It's just kind of just to get me at least not at like a right angle, so then I can get myself a little more comfortable. I don't, if that's a bad thing, I guess I apologize, but I tend to do it just at least a little bit. Um, and, and so I, I guess to some extent, like doing that, and I guess doing that during the day might have some issues. Uh, to his end, so he's watching a video on his phone during this, and he doesn't seem affected by the reclining of the chair, like to any large extent. You know, he seems like he's generally okay. He's not really like being intruded by the reclined chair but he seems annoyed at just the fact that the chair kind of exists in which case i tend to lean more towards blaming the guy for just kind of being annoying and he's, he's clearly punching it he's not like going up and asking to, to move the chair back he's not really like doing anything that would be like directly confrontational he's kind of being a little childish about it and there's the other fact that like you're in clearly they're in economy in this part like you don't have leg room or space or really anything it is cramped and you kind of know this when you're going in so i guess my final take is this guy's being a bit childish and we should all take more trains and make more trains because they have more leg room all right nikki you're uh, up so on on the topic of reclining right i'm gonna get off my high horse here i Never recline except on our recent Japan trip. First, I will recline if there's no one behind me. Then who cares? Yeah, um, of course. Yeah, that's that's easy. On our one. recent Japan trip, I did recline at some point. Um, it wasn't going back home because when I was going back home, I was with Kitty, and I was in the. I think I took the middle seat and I gave her the window, and I, I did not want to look like that kind of person who reclined on a, on a plane in front of her. So I sat for the entire. I think all four. Six. I think I've taken six flights across the Pacific, maybe more. Uh -huh. uh, five? Oh, five, because I went across the Atlantic. I, ran, I went around the Northern Hemisphere. Anyway, point is, I've taken quite a few trips across the Pacific. Every single time, I have not reclined my seat, um, period. Now, there was one time that I did recline and someone was behind me, and that was after my layover uh, in, I forgot, I think it was in, it wasn't in China. It was somewhere. Oh, it was in it was Taiwan. It was in Taiwan. I had a layover in Taiwan. Taiwan is usually the place. Yeah, Taipei. Yeah, I was in Taipei, and I had a flight to Fukuoka in Japan in the Kyushu district, and that was a relatively short flight. There was someone behind me, and I gave in, and I did recline at that point. I will admit, I I take it upon myself because I think that I can be a good person. I, I think in general, in life, I can be. I expect people to be good people, but I want to be a little bit better than a good person. I, I know I can be a dick sometimes right. and I come off as that for the same comedy entertainment. But I try to be a good person. Um, and so I do not recline. However, I do not expect other people to not recline. Right? And I'm a six foot tall dude. Right? So like my knees are coming real close to the back of your chair. And if you want to recline on a, on a 12 hour flight or even like a short flight to and from LA, it's like 45 minutes. 
And you recline, I will not take offense to that. However, I do my best to never recline, to give that person in the back uh, a little bit more room. I, I, I have that same. I only, I said I only recline a tiny bit just to get a slight angle in myself, but I also am okay with other people also reclining the seat. It's a, it's a thing in the seat. I'm okay if other people will do it to me, as long as we're not, like, eating. I have had that once. Where the guy wouldn't unrecline his seat while we were delivering food until someone finally came over and was like, please, move your seat I, back. I cannot eat horizontally, so that'll that'll cause yeah. me a problem anyway. Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah. Like laying that was down the only time eat. I've had an issue with it. This guy is not eating food, by the way, in the video. Anyway, but carry so on, carry on. Is this dude in the wrong? Uh, first off, the woman for reclining her seat, not in the wrong, like I said, follows follows my own principles. I know I sound like I, don't, I never recline. I'm sounding like such a good person. I try to pick up my trash, push my chair in, like leave places clean, all that stuff. And so reclining, not a problem in my opinion. Dude in the back, I feel bad for this guy, right? Because there's something wrong with him, right? He has had an experience in life that leads him to this point. It could be bad parenting. It could be he's caught a few bad breaks, <laughs> right? I think that this this man is in his late 30s and sitting in economy, right? Ideally, when I'm when I'm reaching my late 30s, if I'm going on a longer flight, right, I can pay for premium economy, which 2K Games has treated me to premium economy before. It's not that much of an upgrade, but it is an upgrade or first class, right? I definitely don't want to be like sitting in the back of the seat. First off, someone needs to tell this dude about Seat Guru, right? They don't sponsor me, but anytime I buy, I buy a flight, especially a significant flight, Seat Guru, you look at different seats that are um, on a specific plane, right? And you pick, oh, this one's really close to the kitchen. This one's really close to the bathroom. You don't want this one. This one is the same price as all the other ones and has slightly more legroom. You're going to want to go for this one. This one actually doesn't have a window next to it, right? I am always scouting for exactly what my seat is like in, in relative terms to all the other seats on Seat Guru. They don't sponsor me. Pro tip. So first off, this guy didn't know about Seat Guru. That's his first mistake. This, look, this is a powerless man, all right? This guy probably works as a janitor, probably still works at Target as a manager at 37. That's why I'm bringing up the age thing. Dude's completely lost his hair. Uh, now, if you look at my dad, his hair's looking good. I'm, I'm 25, I still, if you're looking at me live on stream, twitch.tv slash Dell Shampoo, I got a fat ass head of hair, dude. Like we're we're this is turning gray at some point, and it's gonna get a little thinner. But my hair's still looking really good. Um, I've known other people who, as at about my age, at 24, 25, start losing their hair, and that can be a very, um, a very hurtful thing as a man. It can really hurt your image, make you feel a little less confident. And this dude's 37. He's completely lost it. Right? He's got a, got a good beard, but he's completely lost his hair. He's sitting in coach, right? He's not at a successful enough job to be flying premium economy. Or maybe his pension is pennies, and I can respect that. But there's there's somewhere in his life that he feels powerless, right? Whether it be his job, or maybe his wife isn't treating him well. Right? Or maybe he's, he's not happy with some of the decisions his child is making. He... He feels like he doesn't have control of his life. And the one thing that he can do to take back power is to harass this woman on the plane and for him to impose his seat rule on other people. He thinks that people need to sit up straight. Some people think reclining is fine. And that, either way, right? My opinion is do whatever you want. But he feels that he needs to, to take, take back what he can, right? 
and to to batter this woman's chair forward and to beat her into submission in a way that he can't in his career or in his family life with his kids or maybe his wife left him. And and so I feel for this man, right? Whether he needs uh, mental health or whether he's just had uh, some, some mental health, some therapy, um, or whether he needs to go and and, you know, reconcile some problem he has with someone in his life or whether he just needs to, to move up in his career, right? He's clearly stuck somewhere that, that's made him feel this way, to make him feel bad about himself, to make him feel like he has no power and that this is his little bit of way to take back from society what he feels like he deserves. And, and, so, and so I feel bad for this man. I feel like he hasn't gotten what he, what he feels like he deserves in life and and that this is his way of fighting back. And so so I'm 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 sorry. I'm sorry to him that life has treated you this way. And in other news. So th- there might be actually <laughs> I think a psychoanalyst. Something something in this man's childhood, right? Rose him to be like this, right? I wouldn't be surprised if we if I go back in time and see when he was 8, right? That on, on a, I'm going to tell a personal story in a second. Um that that he was kind of a whinier kid and that his mom, you know, didn't get him the 10-piece chicken nugget. Maybe he was only allowed four back in the day, you know, when they were going through the drive through at McDonald's, right? Similarly, when I was a kid, uh, my parents, I have a mild fear. It's not, I wouldn't call it a fear, but I have a mild, I'm going to call it fear because it's funnier, of ice cream trucks as a 25-year-old man. Because when I was a kid, I when an ice cream truck would drive by, my parents would tell me it was a drive-by jail and I would be very scared because they said, oh, they're taking the prisoners out for a drive. Don't go towards that truck. That's The song is playing to let you know that they're coming and they're going to shoot you if you get too close to the too close to the <laughs> truck. And I, I was afraid as a kid of the ice cream truck. And to this day, that, um, that Pavlonian effect of the ice cream truck coming by on a hot summer's day doesn't activate in my head. Right? I don't want to go out. And get an ice cream or when the when the when the nice mexican man is pushing the ice cream uh cart around and ringing his bell outside of e3 or you know just down the street in the park i feel zero compulsion to go out and talk to him right similarly right i do have a pavlonian effect when i hear that when i hear the nice japanese when we watch weathering with you and you hear the nice japanese lady oh, yeah, in the yeah. beep of the of the transportation yeah. because Ding. i hear that when i'm on vacation so i have an i have a nice mental association with with that sound and so with an ice cream truck right when i hear an ice cream truck there's nothing i i'm not afraid of it but i don't feel like i want to go out and get ice cream right so this man must have had a bad experience i think traveling right maybe they were out traveling one day and his parents were like we're gonna go to disneyland and they ended up you know not going to disneyland um or maybe he had a shitty experience at disneyland and he has some kind of negative experience traveling and that's why he's acting like this because i feel like if if you're doing this this isn't the first time he's done something like this he's probably been called out for something like this before he was obviously doing it for a while because he's been punching the back of this woman's chair for long enough for her to take out her phone to start recording right there must have been something that happened to this man whether uh he was little or maybe as a teenager he's had a bad experience on a cruise some kind of transportation story that has made him not so happy with with the world 
And so this is his little bit way of, of fighting back. Uh, but if I'm really going to get get down to it, yeah, the dude's being a dick. Shouldn't be punching the back of someone's <laughs> chair. Um, this is literally what I've had children do. However, I'm going to rate this. By the way, I, I should say I do travel a lot, um, especially on planes. I, I take a couple flights a year. I'm not like someone who's a part of a military family or someone who like flies around Europe a bunch. Um, but I do like take a couple flights a year, um, go to LA, the East Coast, and you know go international. I, I go on my fair share of flights. I think I go on above average amount of flights. And this is honestly, even though I'm calling this guy a dick, semi-low on my um, plane offenses, right? My number one plane offense, I've never seen this happen to me, but I've seen it happen to other people when people put their fucking feet up on the armrests oh, yeah. yeah. of the chair in front of them. Even if there's no one in that seat, if there's someone like if you're in the window seat and, and they're putting their feet up on the window seat in front of them, you sit in the aisle, still fucked up, don't do that. Um, I have had people scream on planes, like full on, like if I'm not going to do it because it's bad radio, but scream as loudly as they can into the microphone. Um, they're not in the microphone, just into the plane, right? That That's not cool, dude. Um, I've, and I'm not talking like eight year old children. Like I've literally, I think had like full grown adults, like shout on the plane, like not like they were getting scared, but like. Hey, hey, grab the suitcase, right? Just like from across the aisle. You know when you're on the big international planes and you have like three seats and you have four seats in the middle and three seats and maybe they're shouting to someone across like, bro, I'm trying to fucking nap, right? It's like <laughs> it's like 3 a.m. local time. I'm sleeping right now and you're gonna shout at people, right? It's generally like dead silent. You can hear, not dead silent, but you hear the plane. You hear some people whispering and talking a little bit, but for the most part, no one's talking. I've had some people like, Hey, can you pass me that? Like, just absolutely zero regard for their indoor voices. Um, those people are worse than man-punching the seat. Because I feel like man-punching the seat can be very quickly resolved by calling a flight attendant. I'm sure she asked him to stop. Um, but, yeah. Uh, bottom line, fuck that guy. And that is the end of the Relaxes podcast. It's been a productive episode. We talked about VR porn. It was. Uh, and my and summary is still... Take the train if you can, especially if you're in, if you live in like Europe or Japan. Please just take the train. You'll have the room, and you can literally get up and walk away from this guy. You actually can. Um, I've personally yeah. taken trains in Japan, and I will be taking trains in Europe. Uh, sometimes if anyone's going to TwitchCon Europe, then you can find me there. Find us on Twitch.tv/DelShampoo 8 p.m. PST for the Early Access Podcast, and on Spotify. If you're watching on Twitch, there's a Spotify Early Access Podcast banner. You can click on that and listen to the show there. It is highly appreciated. Follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash stillshampoo and discord.gg slash stillshampoo where we post updates about the Early Access podcast. I'm going to go and eat some dinner and connect some lesbians together via double-ended dildos. Thank you guys for listening to the show. We'll be back on the 25th, 8 p.m. PST, Tuesdays here, the Early Access podcast. We'll see you guys next week. <laughs>